Welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. This is Katie. This is Portia. And you will and this notice. Is Lisa. We're so glad you're here. We're so excited to introduce you, Lisa. Now, you listeners are going to notice an absence of Susan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she had something to do with her kids today. And Gwen is out today. So it's Portia and I hosting, and we have an incredibly special guest today. Very special guest that I will be introducing to you in just a moment, but Katie wanted to give us an update about some things going on in her family. Oh, yes, because I mentioned on one of the last episodes about my husband uh, having a pulmonary embolism, which basically are these blood clots in his lungs, (laughs) and it was like serious and scary. But um, he had a, an appointment with the hematologist, and he does not have cancer. And they really honestly just think it was a fluke. Yeah. So I just wanted to update you listeners. And on my own um, journey, I'm on a new chemotherapy that I so far have not had any side effects of, which is a huge, huge praise. So... Um, we are just fine in this household now. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit fangirly about our guest today because <laughs> she is someone that I have actually known my entire life. Her name is Lisa Helmshell. She is a daughter. She's a friend. She's a mother. She's a grandmother. Although you would never, if listeners, when you see her picture, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to believe that we're saying that she's a grandmother. She comes to us via our Facebook page. So when you submit your stories to us, we really do listen. We really do reach back out. and We really do want to share your story. So keep doing that. Her story is one of strength and reliance on Jesus for everything. Probably my favorite way to introduce this woman to you is to say that she's my big sister. Not because I wish that she was my big sister, not because I love her like she's my big sister. She is my big sister. And Lisa is one of the strongest women I know. No matter what life has thrown her, she keeps going. And today, you are going to hear a story that I know will encourage you and impact you. And hopefully you will love her just like I do because (laughs) she's amazing. So listeners, please buckle up for Lisa Houndshell. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. Lisa, um, our listeners don't have the joy of getting to see you face-to-face, but I do, and you absolutely are gorgeous, and I can't believe you. (laughs) I am, times two. (laughs) And we we will put your pictures up on social media, but I've been so eager to meet you because Portia has talked about you and she adores you. But um, although you guys are sisters, you did not grow up in the same household. So can you just tell us about your childhood? Wow. Well, um, I always said that Portia and I have this unexplainable bond. You wouldn't know that we didn't grow up in the same house. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, Portia? Yeah, she. I think she would. She had to. She had to. Okay. Had to pop out. Yeah. I, I. It's um. It's one of those things where, um, my, I'm my mom's only child, and my dad got married to Portia's mom, which is Joan, who I love affectionately. Um, she's always been a wonderful stepmom, and so I just had the pleasure of visiting with the the that side of the family and seeing my sister and my brother. I said I was the remote sister, <laughs> but um, I never felt out of place. Um, my dad always welcomed me wherever they were stationed because he was in the military. And so Portia had the luxury of going wherever he was from Panama to Arkansas and wherever else, in Virginia, and Maryland. I mean, he was all D.C. He was all over. And California. And then he ended up in Texas. And I believe I was able to visit every place he lived, or they lived, except for Panama. 
Um, I didn't, I never got a chance to go to Panama, but um, it was definitely an experience. Um, again, I was the outside child, but when, so when I would go, it was definitely like being on vacation and um, getting to know my sister, my brother, um, and uh, a portion I never missed a beat. It oh. was never a time where I felt like, oh, she doesn't know who I am, or will she remember that I'm her sister because she's younger than I am, and Gordon is in between us, and he and I always, um, we, we pick each at each other because he calls <laughs> me the old woman in the family between the three of us. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was fun being able to go visit with them and uh, uh, just enjoy the luxuries of being in the military. I mean, people, you know, think, oh, the military is about moving to place to place. You don't ever sow any seeds. But Portia is a living witness to this. I have watched her. Her friends are lifetime friends. And I admire that about her um, because I only lived in one city my entire life, which is, was, or state, I should say, Maryland up until June of 2018. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But yeah. <laughs> But overall, it was amazing. It was my so basically, basically, you spent the school year with your mom in Maryland, and the summers yes. with your yes. dad wherever yes. he might have been stationed. Yes, yeah. Okay, I got to visit not long term, like you know, all summer, but you know, for weeks at a time, I would right. go. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, tell yeah. us some of your favorite memories growing up. Like, what was your household like? <laughs> Oh, my household. So I come from a very musical family. We all sing or play an instrument. Yeah. So um, we would sing about everything. Um, it's funny. I was just sharing the story with someone the other day, how I would put on talent shows for my <laughs> mom and my grandmother yeah. because I was an only child. I, was the, I am the eldest on my mother's side in terms of grandchildren. So I am the eldest grandchild. Okay. And so for a long time, it was just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I was the entertainment, and I remember there's always, always music in my household. Awesome. There was always church. We went to church Sundays, met church, family time, dinner, and then back to church most, yeah. most Sundays. Yeah. Um, I so, and I remember the family get-togethers and... Um, we would go, our summer vacations, we never got on a plane to fly anywhere. One, we couldn't afford to do so, but yeah. we would drive to a place called Sandy Point Beach. It still exists. It's in, it's toward Eastern Shore in Maryland. I don't know if you've okay. ever heard of the Bay Bridge. Yes, yes. It's, it's that direction toward Annapolis. And if you cross yeah. the bridge, you, you get to Eastern Shore. So we would do that every summer and my family would pack this huge you know, spread of food and we would go and we'd spend the entire day there. But um, I just remember just a lot of love. Our family was very close. They still yeah. are. Um, and um, just that part of it seemed to set the groundwork for what I later on provided for my now adult children, when they were growing up, right. you know, family was right. just the nucleus. So, yeah, it's fun. So a lot of love, a lot of family, a lot of... A lot of family, yep. A lot of, definitely, still to this day, even from afar, a lot did of your, love. Um, did your grandma live with you too? Did your grandma live yes. with you or just... We all live together. So it's interesting story, but very true. The home that my mom currently lives in is the, I call it the newer family home. We <laughs> lost the family home, gosh, back in 1999, 98, 1999, around that time frame, I huh? believe. Um, it, we lost it to a fire. My oh. grandmother, that was the home, not the home that my mom grew up in, but it was the home that my grandmother built on a piece of land that she purchased as an African-American woman that was very unheard of. Like you owned your property and you usually, you know, most people lived in other people's homes and they rented them. Um, the, 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 so the home that my mom is in now was the new home that was built 
when that house burned down. Oh my goodness. So I still feel the nostalgia when I go there yeah, because yeah. it's still the same piece of land. It's just a different house, but right. it reminds me of the home that I grew up in. But yes, to answer your question, my grandmother, my mother, my two aunts, and one of my uncles, we all lived there. I was oh. the only little person for a long time. <laughs> wow. So you got a lot yes. of attention and a lot of love. I did. I did. I did. Um, we, there were no husbands in the house. Um, my grandmother had divorced at the yeah. time. My mom did not get married until later in life. And my two, one of my aunts, uh, both of my aunts, married when I was uh, probably uh, maybe a little younger than as a teenager. Yeah. So growing up, I did not see the dad role per se. I only saw it in my dad when I would go see him. Yeah. 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 And um, so that was the, I, if I could say the one missing element or dynamic in my family were the men. Yeah. There weren't a lot yeah. of men. Yeah. Besides my yeah. uncles, my one of my uncles, he was too young to be a father figure. He was to this day, he's like a a, a big brother. An older um, brother, yeah. Yeah, he's like a big brother to me. Um, but no father figures, so to speak. My it's mom would be, much... but my mom kept them away from me. Like yeah. that wasn't what I saw. I just saw a lot of strong, I, that's probably where I get my strong willpower and personality from. Um, I was just going to say, it sounds like you had some strong uh, yes. female figures yes. in your life with your grandma purchasing land and yes. having, you know, yes. a house built. Yes. And yes. Um, so let's fast forward till you're, okay. you're 16. Yes. What a <laughs> You know, 16, um, I did not have the normal sweet 16, as you would call it today. Um, I ended up pregnant at 16. Yikes. Not with one, but with two babies. Oh, my. Twins. Oh, my. Portia has twin nieces. Bless their hearts. They're wonderful (laughs) young ladies. Um, So... Uh, to tell you that I had a normal 16-year-old lifestyle where, you know, school and like hanging out with friends. Nope, it was school and hanging out with my babies. Um, wow. That wow. was what my wow. 16-year-old tell was. Tell the story of learning that oh, you were goodness. pregnant with <laughs> twins. Yes. Well, I was very active, very involved in school, whether it was in the arts or at uh, athleticism. And at the time, I was really a girly girl, and I was trying out for pom poms. And I sprained the day of tryouts. I sprained my ankle. And back then, when you go to the ER, was medical care for young ladies under, you know, within a certain age from what I understood to have a pregnancy test, no matter what. It was like, it's just Power for the policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, the nurse came in and she says, well, before we can do an x-ray, we need to do a pregnancy test. And I look at my mom and my mom looks at me and I, she's like, is that okay? I'm like, sure. Now, let's back up a little bit. My first experience sexually was, at that time, had been uh, five, min- five months ago. Okay. I don't remember anything about it, okay? It's a blur. I thought, oh, this is what the hype is about. I'll never, ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would anybody want that want happening? It was, this. It was, this is not I never it. even shared it. I don't even think I shared it at the time with my best friend. I, I was just... I thought, why did I even do that? Like, it was the stupidest thing I could have ever thought of, like, two minutes of my life, right? Yeah. So you <laughs> kind so, of tried to even just forget about it. Yeah. Like, the I actual... honestly, when they asked me, I thought, oh, you know, 
Now, mind you, I never thought I was pregnant because I had a cycle every month. Oh, my. A very, my cycle was very, very brief. It was, you know, I might have lasted Light, three days. Yeah, yeah. But because I was young, athletic, that was my normal. It was never, I never considered it abnormal. Um, so anyway, I got a pregnancy test and um, it came back positive. Oh, I look baffled, like, how did that happen? What My mom said, Lisa, is this something you want to tell me? And I'm like, no, really? like, there's nothing. Not really, right? And um, so we had to have that uncomfortable conversation. And I think that was the first time in my life where I realized, oh, my gosh, what have I done? You know, yeah. up until that point yeah. in my life, everything was fun. So... I didn't realize the seriousness of, oh my goodness, I had sex and now I'm pregnant. And this is a consequence, right? Because like this is the consequence, right? Um, I, I was not saved. Yes. We went to church and I grew up in a Methodist church. So, you know, you were saved when you were Christians. (laughs) So that's my, you know, so I wasn't taught, you know, it wasn't, drilled and drilled into my head that, oh, no, this was a sin and you shouldn't have done that. It was more so like, oh, Lisa, you made a mistake. And what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, my first thing is I'm going to law school. I don't want to have a baby, uh, let alone two. Um, But at this time, I didn't know I was having twins. And so let's fast forward. We go to the abortion clinic. Yeah. Because the... This is a Friday that all of this uh, is happening. And I wanted to go. I didn't want my mom said, listen, my mom and my aunt, what do you want to do? I said, I'm not having this baby. I never even thought about calling their father at the time because it wasn't, you know, I thought I probably don't even have his phone number. There were no cell phones. So I, I don't know how to reach him. And he was a little older than I was. He was in high school, by the way, but a little older. Yeah, right. But right. we definitely, we, need, we never had any contact after that moment. Yeah, yeah. So imagine that, right? Right. So we go to the abortion clinic and the day of, I am sick as a dog. Like, I, I can't keep the fluid down. That now you no longer have to take, God bless America. You don't have to take that drink anymore before you have a sonogram. And that was the whole purpose before uh, they did yeah. the procedure. They, they wanted to know how far along I was because they're like, okay, if you're really five months, we may not be able to do this unless you go to New York and pay $5,000. It was so expensive. Yeah. Well, my mom was going to do that for me. And, but we needed to find out how far along I was. And so they confirmed that I was definitely further along than medically where they could do it in that particular clinic. Right. I was distraught. I was like, I want to get this over with. And not only did they determine that, they determined that, oh, while the lady is asking me questions and I'm wanting to puke at the same time, do you have twins in your family? I don't know. That's my response as a 16-year-old. She says, oh, okay. And I'm like, why is this woman asking me if I have twins in my family? Like, what does that have to do with this? Like, I am completely outdone. And finally, we're done, the procedure. And she says, okay, well, um, I need to confirm with the doctor and then get dressed and come out to the office and with your mom and we'll talk. So I do so. I'm sick, feeling like I want to faint. I want to go to sleep. I want to eat. I want to do all these things. I'm just confused about what's happening internally into my body because up until that point, there was no sign of life. There was no, you, my stomach was flat as a board. Wow. I was in my regular jeans. I look normal. Like I'm like, there's no way there's a baby in there. It's there's it's no way possible. And so there we are. I'm sitting, I walk in and everyone's smiling. My mom, the nurse and the doctor, and they're smiling at me. And I'm like, what's so funny? Like, I'm bawling. Like, I'm like, I'm still crying. Like, why are you guys laughing at me? And they finally say, well, we have good news and we have not so good news. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And they said, well, you're further along than we think. 
I'm like, well, yeah, I pretty much said that. Like I said, I didn't do anything only five months ago. So clearly I'm far along. And um, they said, and you're pregnant with twins. I passed out. I hit the floor. I woke up. Everyone's over top of me, like, wake up, you know. And I'm like, what? Did, did someone say that I have two babies? How is that possible when I've only had sex once? <laughs> <laughs> my mom looked at me, and at that moment, she said, my God, my baby is having babies. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, my entire world changed. I became... I I guess it was in that moment that I realized, okay, Lisa, you really got a decision to make. Are you willing to abort not one, but now two? Yeah. No way. I couldn't. And and you're thinking five months. They're five months, baby. Yeah. It. Yeah. And again, but I'm looking at my stomach and I'm like, well, where are they? You know, like right. if there's yeah. two yeah. babies in here, why don't I have a pledge? Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Flat as a board. Okay. And all of they all the doctor could say to me was like, you know, young lady, this is a very hard decision, but only one that you would have to make. Yeah. Yeah. And so I asked them to give me the weekend the rest of the weekend to decide that Sunday we go to my mom's church. She's uh, at the time she was a member at a full gospel assembly, a uh, word church. Um, and it was my first experience coming from a Methodist church yes. um, where I, we, we went, I went to service with her that Sunday and I got saved that Sunday. <laughs> The word pricked my soul. Like I cried the entire service. And we're talking oh. hundreds of people at the time. And when we were, we went up for altar called the salvation. As we're walking back, I will never forget the pastor at the time. Bless his soul. He's um, gone on to be with the Lord. But Pastor Cherry was his state. He says, there is a young lady here that's pregnant with twins. What? I kept walking to my seat. I he's not talking to me, you know. And um, she doesn't understand the call that's on her life. But I want her to come back up to the altar. I said, "Well, he can't be talking to me because we didn't tell him anything." How? Yeah, yeah. How would he know? He How would he know it's me? Yeah. Exactly. And so my mom, she's praying. Her eyes are closed. She's not looking at me and I'm definitely not looking at her or him. <laughs> and finally, he walks from the bullpen and he's walking down the aisle. Mind you, I'm not showing. Yeah. I'm still. And he stops at my aisle and he points to me. He says, young lady, come to the center of the aisle. And <gasps> I thought I was like, oh, oh my God. And so it was at that moment that he and the other lay ministers and my mother laid hands on me and prayed like I have never been prayed for in my entire life. Like they really prayed. But I still was in my mind thinking, maybe I should have this abortion. Like, yeah, my rest of my life is going to be ruined if I keep these babies. And I, 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 I want to go to school. I want to go back to the high school. I want to graduate. I want to be a cheerleader. I want to do, I had so many things planned. Of course I, you're I'm 16. I'm 16. Traumatized. Yeah, that is young. And so, But I refuse to accept this prayer that they were praying over my life. I was like, ah, ah, you know, no, not me. And so we go home and, um, I'm quiet the rest of the day. My mom's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just in deep thought, you know, about everything that I experienced during the service. And we go to bed in the middle of the night. I had this like urge that I really needed to use the bathroom really, really badly. I go into the restroom and sitting there and I, to this day, never turn on the lights when I use the bathroom in the middle of the night. Don't know why. 
And I didn't that day, that night. But I noticed, I looked down at my stomach and I could no longer see my thighs. <laughs> Did God have a sense of humor? My belly was protruding out. I, I can't even describe it. Like, it's so surreal. Even when I think about it, I get goosebumps. I went yeah. to bed with no belly. Wow. I woke up pregnant. Looking. Uh, looking. In the middle, of, yeah. in the middle of the night. Pregnant. I scream. My mom comes running. And she's like, what's wrong? And she turns on the light. She sees my belly and she says, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was that moment that I knew God had intervened in my Amen. decision. Amen. And confirmed my unbelief <laughs> that I was pregnant. Yeah. And um, really pregnant. With, with no babies. Yes. Not with Two babies. Because I can picture, I can picture you're 16, you have no symptoms, your stomach's flat. And I'm watching cartoons. You can kind of <laughs> um, think, well, this is just a quick medical procedure yeah. to get rid of yeah. what they're saying is in there. And yeah. it's just a nuisance to my life and I need right. to get on with my life. Right. Um, but then, wow, church. And you couldn't, I mean, even though you were trying to block that prayer, obviously you couldn't deny that this man had heard something from God about you because how did he know? How did he know? I said, mom, I remember being in the car with her and I said, I looked at her and said, mom, did you tell him? Did you tell him? Yeah. She says, sweetheart, I've never lied to you. No. I, she says, Pastor Cherry has a discerning spirit. A discerning, and I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Where Holy Spirit speaks to people sometimes and gives a word of knowledge and reads your mail for your good, not to embarrass you, not to call you out, but to say, "I see you, and I have plans for you." Right, right. I believe that. I believe it more so now, but then I was just like, "Oh, somebody's." pulling wool over my eyes yeah. like, you know it was but then know, then you yeah. get a physical and yeah. manifestation yeah. later on because god's like okay well that didn't really get through to her exactly <laughs> so now and i'm going to show her yeah <laughs> and imagine i had to contemplate do i want to go back to school this way i was ashamed like yeah i have yeah. this belly and, oh, my gosh, my family, my teachers, my principal, the school nurse, the counselors, when I tell you, they rallied around me because oh, they knew God. that I was in a very, very difficult position. Yeah. And that we only had about, this is May, so we only had about, back then we were getting out of school in June, um, like April June, June. Yeah. So this, I found out all of this in May, you know, only had a couple a month or so of school. So they gave me the option to be homeschooled. Uh I believe that this is 1986. I don't think that was a precedence. I don't think that was even written like anywhere in policy that you could be homeschooled or have a two. I don't think that was, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. this had to it's be beautiful. orchestrated only by God. It's where, beautiful. yeah, like all of all all of them came together and came up with a plan to help me through this. Yeah, um, and um, I still was confused. Like I journaled. I started journaling because, you know, some days I'd wake up like, "What in the world?" And then some days I'd wake up like, "Okay, I'm going to do this." But the majority yeah. of the time yeah. it was, yeah. I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. And um, going, I literally had to go to the doctors every week because I was considered high risk teenage yeah. pregnancy. Yeah, with um, two. I was two. anemic. I was severely anemic. I still am to this day chronic anemic, um, which is bad when you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, right. right. Um, 
I, again, I only had four months of prenatal care ahead of me. So all these concerns, like, oh, the baby. What What did your mom say to you when you decided to keep the babies and not have an abortion? Praise God. That's what your mom said? That's what my mom said. Okay. So she. Lisa, I love you. And we're going to get through this. Amen. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that teachers, principal, family all rallied around you. That's not always the case. And I know that. Exactly. Um, But what a blessing. So then. What happened? Delivery day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, the girls were. Did you graduate from school? Oh, I graduate with honors. I graduated as class president. Yes, she did. My daughters gave me my diploma. I will never forget that moment. I sang at my graduation. Um, Let's just say I took what was meant for no, for good, for bad into good. I became, I, I. spoke on a platform um, for public speaking on behalf of um, Planned Parenthood. Um, um, I'm not just a statistic was my platform. And so I would go around to different schools and speak to young ladies because back then we had um, the Planned Parenthood uh, classes or parenting classes. They no longer do that in in schools anymore. And um, um, early education classes. And so I use that platform to go speak to other young ladies and share my story. Um, I refuse to be that statistic. But they let you talk about God? Um, Yes and no. Okay. Okay. Um, It more so came out when people would ask questions. Like, yeah. how did you do it? And I said, well, right. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, what does that, that mean? <laughs> you know, what is right? Um, but believe it or not, um, there were a lot of ladies or young ladies that I got to speak to and share my story with over the years um, that understood that. They came from homes who, you know, church was mandatory or they knew. They knew about God. Right. But this wasn't done through school. So this was a separate organization. So that's oh, gotcha, probably gotcha. why I had more leeway. To do well, that. and then when you're one-on-one um, yes. with ladies, yes. with girls, yes. um, of course you can. It's, it's funny, Lisa. I, um, when I first moved to Stafford, I got a job doing homebound teaching. They called it homebound oh. teaching. Mm-hmm. It was for any student that had to be homebound for whatever reason. And oh. the very first student I had was a 16-year-old <laughs> that had just given birth. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. Now, this was wow. back in 2000, 2000 2001, maybe, yeah. mm-hmm. 2002, I don't know. So later than your time frame. So I know what you're okay. saying. Like, like yeah. back when you were there, maybe they didn't. But, but Stafford was doing that. And so she had a month of um, maternity leave from school. Yeah. And I would go get all her books. And then um, we would keep up. And every week I'd contact her teachers and get the assignments. And, but here is the very cool thing about that I had been telling God look I need a job I need a paying job because um all my kids were going to be starting college and I mean not all at once but my oldest was going and then you know the next one the next one domino yeah and Mike's like yeah you need to work honey (laughs) but I said God could I have some kind of job where I can talk about you Wow. Well, the only thing I the only thing I knew was teaching because I'd had a, a I had a teaching degree and blah blah blah. So I get this homebound teaching, and I, we sit down at the dining room table. Me and this young gal, and she had this beautiful baby boy, and she was so proud of the little baby boy, you mm-hmm. know. But um, we open up her civics book. And I said, okay, well, this is where you left off. And I point to this paragraph. And it is literally talking about Charles Finney back in the day. Um, he, 
his philosophy was in order to change society, each individual man and woman needed to be changed by a personal conversion experience to Jesus Christ. And that there was no changing society as a whole through outer laws. It had to be changed by each individual being changed in their heart. And I looked and I said, honey, do you even know what this means? Do you know what a personal conversion experience to Jesus Christ means? She's like, I have absolutely no idea. Wow. <laughs> I said, do you want to know? You know, it wasn't me forcing anything. It was her book. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, yeah. I mean, if that's the only thing that changes society. So I was able within like 10 minutes of meeting with wow. that little little gal to be able to talk about Jesus Christ and that every single lesson, oh my goodness, the English, it was uh, about the Salem witch trial. She was reading that book. And um, anyway, it, I just, as you're telling, you're, you're part of the story. And I liked the way you said what was meant for, I think you said it like this, what was meant for evil, you made a decision and you turned it, for good um through the strength of jesus christ and i i looked at that little gal and she was so excited to raise her little boy right with with godliness you know and did god use that for good Um, for her for you So, so let's fast forward now so you have two little girls I have two little girls. Um, I still in high school, and I, I mind you, after I had them, I did not return. I had them in September. That September of of eighty um, six. Um, okay, they were due October tenth. I had them <laughs> September twenty seventh, so they came a little early. A little early. Uh, and now, mind you, at the time, I had only named one. Because during my eighth, seventh, eighth month, I was told that only one was going to be a live birth. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so when they were born, excuse me, <clears throat> when they were born, I only was able to name baby A, and that was Tierra. Because I had gotten very, very sick. Um, I wasn't able to take care of them right away. I think I was in the hospital for almost three weeks. Thanks to those good old military benefits, Portia. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And that's another thing. You know, I thank God for my father being the position that he was in because there were no expenses for me. Um, out of pocket oh. experience expenses because I was still a military brat. Yeah, and it's a oh. the World Medical Center. God bless them. Wow. Um, so that was a blessing because I could I can't imagine what my mom would have done or what I would have done um, if if it were not for those resources right. available. Right. Right. Um, so I gave birth. I knew I was going to have a cesarean. Um, the fat alone, that the thought that they were going to be cutting me open at a 16-year-old in my head, I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Like, who does this? Like, why do women go through this? That's all I'm saying. Like, I will never have another child ever in my life. Like, mind you, I have four now. But I never ever again. This is the stupidest thing anybody could ever do to themselves. So, um... The day that I went into labor, I was rushed to Malcolm Grove Hospital. And mind you, I'm literally probably a good 45 minutes, an hour away from the hospital where I needed to go to deliver. And my doctor was on a dinner cruise or something. And so there was a lot of panic when I arrived, ready to give birth to two babies. They weren't prepared. And, um, um, and I just remember them saying, oh, my God, there's two heartbeats. I, you know, up until that point, and, and that was a very sad time for me. My last month, I was very, very depressed because 
here I went from one baby to two babies, now one baby again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thinking that she was going to be sickly. My babies were born six pounds a piece. Come on. Wow. <laughs> Over. They are still to this day the largest set of twins ever born in that hospital. I check every now and then. <laughs> Unbelievable. They were just waiting for me. I coded on the table. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, when I finally, you know, was alert and realized what had, had taken place, um, the first thing, of course, I wanted to do was see them. And they were beautiful. But um, I had not named baby B. I only named baby A. So for a while, Tamara was baby B because I didn't have a name for her. <laughs> <laughs> and then we probably named her. Baby B. Yeah, baby B, baby B, baby A and baby B. And so, yes, they, I returned to my hometown, to my grandmother's house. My mom moved back home at this time. She had moved out for a brief stint, yeah. And um, um, and then I she moved in, and I started mommyhood. Um, wow. To this day, I you know I I put them on a a, a a calendar, and I was very routine with them, and um, no one could interrupt during nap time because I had to study. And I remembered returning to school during the second semester. So by that January, I was back in school. And did your mom and, and grandma help take care of the kids while you were at school or what? I had an in-house nanny. I had a lady that would come to my house every morning and take oh, care of my girls. Praise God. I'd get best. She was my former babysitter. Wow. As well. Wow. So she took care of me when I was a baby. Oh. And then she came, and I didn't have to worry about taking them out of the house. She came yes. to my house yes. until I would come home from school on the school bus and walk <laughs> home and take care of the babies and, be and watch mom. Oprah. Yeah. Now, um, you actually got to go on to college. and I did. Tell, tell us about those years. Um, well, the plan, I would plan to go away to school. I wanted to go to Hampton University. Um, but again, becoming mom, those plans changed. Changed so everything. I, yep. I decided to stay in state and I went to Bowie State University for three years. And then I transferred to Georgetown University because again, I was planning to go to law school, but again, a derailment came along. And I got married and had more babies. Well, yeah. at 21, <laughs> 21, I got married. And uh, so I became a paralegal instead. And um, that was something that um, I'm glad I made that decision in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that de- making that decision. It, it has helped me in my career path. Um, there's, there's still a little poke every now and then about going to law school. Yeah. 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 uh, I'm over it now. I'm 50. (laughs) I'm over it now. Um, my family keeps saying you should have gone to law school. I can argue anybody down any day. (laughs) (laughs) I can make a great argument, but, um, yeah. So I became a mom at, uh, a wife at 21, my first 21, 21. We had two babies, John and Joshua. But not twins. uh, No, not twins. Not twins. Okay, so now you have two girls and two boys and a husband and you're a paralegal. Yes, and I'm 21 and I'm a paralegal and I'm working full-time and I'm going to school and doing all those things that seem impossible when you talk to the young folk today. They're like, I couldn't imagine doing that, right? But I did, and um, I married my college sweetheart, and we were together for 13 years. Yeah. And um, God bless him. He just couldn't keep to himself. <laughs> uh, for, for the lack, I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't say, but, he, right, um, right, you know, right. infidelity issues. And I was growing up, and I realized that I didn't have to settle for that. I, you know, I was giving this man my life and we had a beautiful family. We owned our first home when we were 21. You know, it's, you know, it, 
all the things that I thought I was going to have the perfect family, trying to make up for what I didn't grow up with. Right. That was very important to me. It was that point in my life where I was with him. I saw he and his, his mom and dad were still together. And that was important to me. I wanted what my mom didn't have and my aunts and my grandmother did. I wanted that. So I was going to stick it out no matter what. And do whatever it took to have, to have that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But eventually that fizzled out. I just, you know, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like, you know, I'm, you're putting my life at risk, our children at risk. You know, I know that I deserve more and I decided to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. And um, four years later, I married Mr. Houndshell. That's where I get my last name from. Yeah. And he and I were only together for four years. He was my Prince Charming, I call him. He loved my kids. He loved the girls. He was, you know, their stepdad and he loved them. And um, but he gave me something that I didn't get from my first husband. He felt like a father figure to me. You know, he was very stern and I needed that in my life. I felt my kids needed it. And, um, um, but he passed during our fourth year marriage due to complications on dialysis. And um, I've been single ever since. And that was in 2005. And, uh, and I dated, I think I was a serial dater. <laughs> I would date, you know, shoot them up and spit them out. Yeah, I did that, a lot of that. So I was still dealing with me. You know, I went through my period where I hated men, loved men, hated men, loved men, but wasn't loving Jesus enough. Wow. Enough. Wow. Say, will you um, say that one more time, please, sis? <laughs> that was I good. I was at, I was at the point in my life where I was loving men and all the things that came with them, but I wasn't loving Jesus enough. Wow. He wasn't enough at the time during those periods. I had periods of that. And then, um, so, you know, the older I got after my husband passed, I, you know, I just said, you know, I needed to slow down. And then I had that near scare of my life, uh, with dealing with cancer on my own. I had thyroid cancer. Oh, boy. Prove it. Oh, very boy. rare. Only one in, you know, they say 10,000 women get the, every, a lot of women have thyroid issues, but um, for it to be cancerous is, is very rare. And the day that I, you know, found out that was in 2008, um, you know, they thought it was going to be a three hour surgery. It ended up being a six hour surgery because oh, my. my thyroid was, I don't know if you know anything about the thyroid, it's supposed to be the size of a plum, the inside of the plum, the pit of the plum. Yeah. Mine was the size of a grapefruit. It was wrapped around my esophagus and I couldn't breathe. I had gained 30 pounds in less than 60 days. I knew something was wrong because I was never really heavy. I was, you know, very, you know, active, but I knew something was going on with my body. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. After biopsy and tests, and finally they determined that the goiters that they found, one of them had cancer cells, and they thought it was just best to go out and remove my entire thyroid. Wow. And so I had that surgery, recovered with the inability to talk for a little while, and the likelihood that I would never be able to sing again because there was so much damage to my vocal cords. And this is when Jesus became real to me. Yeah. He, you know, he obviously his presence was at different points in my life, but this is when I knew there was something deeper, higher than I could imagine in my life. And I remember praying after I was leaving the doctor's office, I said, Lord, Take my hair, but give me my voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take all the hair, you know, take my hair. I don't care. I can wear a wig. I can get a weave. I don't care. You know, women of color, we are very, very creative. <laughs> but I needed my, I needed my, my voice. My voice is my saving grace to this day. Even when I don't feel like talking, I sing. 
<laughs> I think about everything, even here at work, where now I can talk about God. How about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I prayed that God would restore my vocal cords 100%. And he did just that. Yeah. And I didn't lose a shred of hair, yeah. um, but I regained my vocal cord, my vocal ability. And uh, I thank God for that because, again, um, if I could not sing, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I had a. I, I where I work, um, I come in contact with sisters. We call them Good Shepherd sisters. And my favorite one, her name is Sister Rose, and she said something to me just on uh, Monday. I think that was, or the other day, it might have been Wednesday. Today's Friday, right? Wednesday. Today's Friday. <laughs> she she has difficulty hearing, and I know that she wears a hearing aid. And the day she came in to me um, a few days ago she did not have her hearing aid in. And she says, you know, Lisa, it could be worse. I don't mind not being able to hear, but I can still walk and I can still talk. And that struck me like, oh, you are so right. Yes. So, you know, we take for granted those things. Yes. And so, you know, I'm grateful that you know, God restored the part of me that I know the enemy probably would have loved that I couldn't do to uplift his name, you know, at all, or to be able to say the word Jesus or sing the word Jesus. You know, I think that that part, that moment in my life is when his presence became real to me. I love that. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of that C.S. Lewis um, quote that says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. Wow. Yeah. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Wow. Um, yeah. The idea of that brokenness and pain. Yeah. Um, and really think about your whole life story. Yeah. You know, if finding yourself pregnant at 16, wow, right. that's the first time you really wake up to what it means to have a relationship with Christ right. that right. of religion. I mean, you'd gone right. to church and right. you participated, yeah. but you said that was it really the day. I had no understanding. Yeah, yeah. you got saved and then yeah. a, a difficult marriage, but yeah. then you got woken up to, wait a minute, no, this isn't right to be treated this right. way. Then cancer. Right. Right. <laughs> so I just feel like you lived a very trying life with some yeah serious trials and some serious pain and yet all through it god is shouting you know yeah kind of kind of continues to restore and continues i love that i love that to restore gives you the strength for the next season in life the next season in life and and then your husband your new husband dies and anyway i was just gonna say this this next question I think it's fitting that I ask it. Tell sure. us about dad. Tell us oh, what, dad. just how, <laughs> um, tell us what God did that, sure. like, I'll tell this quick story on his birthday. Just this year, we did mm-hmm. a group phone call between the two right. of us to call right. him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to trick him. Know who was who? I, I think we, he said he did, but I'm not convinced. Because we sound very similar her. if you hear right. us but don't see us. And um, and there could be listeners just going, how in the world do we have the relationship that we have? How can we love right. our father the way that we do? Having right. heard your story, please, please tell how that is. <laughs> well, Daddy and I have a very um, interesting relationship. I think it was... Um, uh, I had my moments where there were some, I don't like that dude, mm-hmm. you know, like I remember, and this is a true story. I, there was a period in my time, in time where I didn't feel comfortable calling him dad. Like I didn't, I would wait for him to look at me before. I, so I didn't have to say it. And yeah. that was probably in my teens where I was just like, well, I know he's my dad, but. Because he's never around, does he see me as his daughter? Or am I just the girl that comes to visit? You know, like I was questioning what I meant to him. Yeah. 
And it was during the time when I was married to John and I remember reaching out to him. I was so mad at him because I called him because John was being John. You know? <laughs> I just found out, you know, he's cheating on me and I was crying and I was like, daddy, beat him up. You know, <laughs> I always wish we had that big brother that could come and ruffle his feathers a little bit. And I called daddy after talking to dad for about a good hour. He tells me to put John on the phone. John had just walked in and he's like, okay, let me talk to that, that, that boy. You know, he's famous for calling to my boy. Right. And I don't think dad was on the phone with him 10 minutes. And so John comes and sits beside me and he says, your father told me to apologize to you. That's it. (laughs) That's all he said. He was like, yeah. I don't know at that moment what I expected. Right. I think the, at that time, I don't, wasn't even 30 years old, but the 20 year old self, I probably, you know, I, I don't know. I just expected dad to swoop in like a superhero and save the day and rescue me and tell that man, you better not do that to my daughter. Like, that's what I thought. That's what I thought dads were supposed to do. And when he didn't do it, I was hurt. I felt betrayed. Like, you're just one of them. That's what I felt. And I think at some point later in life, dad and I had a a very brief conversation about that. And I revealed to him how I felt. But it was at that moment our relationship turned around. um, And I realize now that dad did exactly what he was supposed to do. My mom used to say to me, Lisa, I can't tell you how to be a wife because I've never been a wife. She could always tell me how to be a righteous woman, a virtuous woman, but she had never been married. It's not until my mom turned almost 60 that she got married for the very first time. I don't think dad knew how to speak to me or deal with that situation um, with John and I, um, as well as he probably would have now, yeah. you know, my dad went from when I met, not met, but I know my dad wasn't always a clergyman and a pastor. And so he saw some things and he's seen some things and he went through his life too. And, um, I think a part of John reminded him of that, sure. like, you know, this is what, you know, I, I remember being that guy and um, I had to forgive him in that instant, in that moment. Mm-hmm. The older I got, I started understanding. Um, he never cried in my marriage. He would always give me words of encouragement. Um, and I always appreciated that. He would pray. Yeah. And I always appreciate It's awesome when you have praying parents, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. Like, I, I I don't know what I would do without knowing that my mom is always praying for me and my dad is always praying for me. And um, so those moments when I question where I fit in his life um, were later revealed. Um, I think he always loved me as his eldest daughter. Um, and but it was hard, you know, the, it's, it gets complicated. You know, that status is complicated. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the older I got, the more I realized, you know, it is complicated. It is. And, um, it not, I guess him never wanting to step on my mom's toes or he was all there. They've always had a, and I've always admired the relationship that my mom had with Joan yeah. and that my mom had with dad. She always respected Joan. Um, I always respected mom, you know, and it took me a long time to call her mom too. Yeah. Yeah. She's Mama Joan to me, but it took me up until, you know, I was in well into my adulthood. It took mom to say to me, you can call her mom. Yeah. I wanted to be okay. But you always loved Portia. You too. Oh God. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, like a sopper up with a biscuit. Yes. I, I mean, she's my little sister. I mean, I don't have any siblings. Like I said, by my mom, I really wish yeah. I did. But 
I just have her. And people always say, you have a sister? I say, yes. I never say, she's my half-sister. Yeah, I've never yeah. said, Gordon is my half-brother. Yeah. They're my sister and my brother. I We're love blood. that. I yes. love that. I yes. love that. I think one you know? of the things I love most, I, Lisa, I think it was, I don't know, three, four years. It was before we moved from Texas. So eight years ago, maybe, when we were in the car and I was taking you back to the airport. And we had some frank conversation in yeah. the car. Yeah. And I just remember us just saying, because you love Jesus, because I love Jesus, because your mom, Mary, loves Jesus, because daddy mm-hmm. loves Jesus. That is what makes this work. Because yeah. in the natural, <laughs> this, is crazy. this should not work. <laughs> no, this, this should not. not. Right. Yeah, right. right. It's just, it just, you would think, you know, why, how the dynamics are so vast. Like, you know, yeah. you just look at it from the outside. Anybody on the outside are like, well, how do they all get along? And I think that's what I had, I, I imparted into my children to this day. I think the reason why Tierra and Tamara and I have a very special relationship, I love my boys and those are my boys, mm-hmm. but my daughters, we grew up together. You know, I, I jokingly say that to them all the time. You know, people would say, I remember an uncle, I will never forget this saying to me one time. They're not going to call you mom. They're not going to respect you as mom. They're going to call Mary, his Mary mom. And I looked at him like, he's crazy. What? <laughs> what? I will be mom. Yeah. And despite just a 16 year difference, my daughters have always respected me as yes. their mom. Yes. They yes. never look they at do. me as a big sister and auntie. I am their mother. Yes. And they have stories for days. The fact that I am their mother. They get reminded. Hello. Um, yeah. It was never, I believe I becoming a mom was like second nature. You know, I just was able to do it. I, I there was, I had great role models, my grandmother, my mother. Yeah. Yeah. Mama Joan, you know, I had great role models to show me how it, how I was supposed to tackle this. And I did. But I also know it was my love for Jesus. Yes. Really, really is my foundation. I don't care. During my wildest days, yeah. I remember the one time I drank in college, I promised myself I would never drink again. I went to church the next day, and I was like, <laughs> I'm never drinking again. And I didn't probably take another sip of wine or anything until I was like 35 years old. <laughs> Because I was just like, oh, this is disgusting. And I felt horrible. But, you know, just that whole, the foundation that we have, Portia, we are very, very blessed. We are. We're very, very blessed. Amen. We have a great father, by the way. Yeah, y'all. He's he's amazing. He really (laughs) is. And it's very, it's, uh, the guy that I am seeing now reminds me so much of daddy. (laughs) Does he play golf? (laughs) He does. (laughs) <laughs> we and Terry got along very well when they met. I was sitting between the two of them and they were talking and I had my arms around the two of them at Joshua, one of Joshua's game. And I was like, this is what I have dreamt about my entire life. Um, like, you know, the man who I love in my life and the man who gave me life, you know, together. And that was the first time that had ever taken place. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah, yeah. But Terry does. Yeah, Terry reminds me of that a lot. That's so funny. The longer that Clinton and I are married, the more I've told my mom so many times, I married dad. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I don't know how my mom said that about Terry. Like, doesn't Uh, he remind you of your father? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if your dad is anything like you two, I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. Uh, Porsche, he's I love amazing. you. And Lisa, it was so good to get to know you a little bit. Honey. Yes, oh, thank goodness. you. Oh, hey, Lisa, real fast. What is the one yes. thing that you would want people to remember from your story? What is the, if the theme or however you want to, however you want to phrase it, what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away? Sure. Um, I believe in the power of restoration. I believe that no matter what we do, especially when we slip or fall short, 
um, I always believe that you can be restored. Um, our source of restoration is always available to us. Um, and I just hope that my story, whether a 16 year old is out there listening to this and making the decision to possibly cross that line and her life, um, I'm hoping that she, she doesn't, um, I can't say that if I could go back in time, I'd change anything. And that's based off of everything that I've gone through. And I've had some rough days and some rough nights and long years, but I wouldn't change anything because I believe each and every step of the way I was being restored, Amen. restored, Amen. restored. Amen. And that's what I want anyone who's listening to this to really, really believe that no matter what they can be restored amen because because of the great redeemer he redeems right. every thing every everything and it doesn't matter yeah. he can take something that we have messed up and bring good out of it bring sweetness mm-hmm. out of it bring and, yeah. and and then by sharing the story you're turning around and helping someone else. That's right. In him and know exactly. that they can be restored. They can be redeemed. They can be strengthened. They right. can carry on. They can have hope and courage. And, and um, yeah, there's joy on the other side of all that sorrow. There is. And um, um, you, you just have a gorgeous smile and nice. Thank you. On your face. Thank you. And I got joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. <laughs> yes, sister. <laughs> well, yes. have to have you back again, Lisa, and you can see. Yes, it was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, honey, so much for sharing your story. And Well, thank um, you. It was a pleasure. We have loved it. And listeners, we love you so much. We will have book club again um, Wednesday night. Tune in if you can at 7. And if you can't be with us at 7, you can always just listen to it later and watch it on Facebook Live. Yeah. Um, I listen to you guys on the way to work all the time. That's how (laughs) I listen. I I don't get to do it at 7. So a lot of times as I'm listening... I play your podcast in the car. So wow, I love it. Oh, I love that. I love that. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Portia, anything else we need to bring up? I'm just leaving leaving it with find the restorer. He's always available to you. I love that. I love that. Amen. Well, good to see your pretty face, sister. (laughs) Good to see you, sister. I love you. All right, I love you too. (laughs) Love you guys and love all you listeners. All right, thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.